Well, that was a horrible Saturday of Big 12 football. There is no other way to spin it, so I'm not going to do it. Here on Heartland College Sports, I'm Pete Mundo. We cover the Big 12 Conference at heartlandcollegesports.com. We've been doing it for a very long time. We appreciate you being here on the show on YouTube, on Facebook Live, on the podcast. Hit that thumbs up button and subscribe on YouTube. And as always, subscribe on the podcast as well. We so appreciate you joining us and being a part of the show. That was a loser of a Saturday for the league. There's no nice way to put it. I'm not going to spin this in any way for you. Um, It was a, I don't want to call it an unmitigated disaster because that might be too strong courtesy of one game in particular, but it was a horrific Saturday. Um, Where do you want to start? The worst game of the weekend, normally I would do these games in order and talk about each game, but I don't think that's the storyline here coming out of the weekend for the Big 12. The storyline coming out of the weekend for the Big 12 is the way some of these games went, specifically the losses. The worst loss of the weekend was Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State lost to South Alabama 33-7. to Now, this is an Oklahoma State team that only was favored by seven points, and I said over the week, I said, keep an eye on this game. There's a lot of reasons that a lot of the wise guys are picking South Alabama. And guess what? They were right. Heck, if they took the money line, they were right. This is arguably the strangest loss I've seen in Mike Gundy's tenure as Oklahoma State coach. And I've been following Mike Gundy since my first radio job in Woodward, Oklahoma, which was back in 2011. So I haven't been following Gundy week by week from the early days, from day one, but I've been following the guy for well over a decade now. And losing at home, and the way you lost at home to South Alabama was horrific. You know, a lot of people pointed out this was the first non-Power 5 loss for Mike Gundy since Central Michigan back in 2016, that crazy ending. But that was like a fluke of an ending, right? With the wild finish, Hail Mary, the whole thing in Stillwater. This this was, I mean, a thumping by South Alabama. Oklahoma State doesn't have a quarterback. I mean, I mentioned I'd go with Gunnar Gundy, and I still would based on what I've seen. But at some point, one guy has to play. And I know Mike Gundy's forgotten more about playing quarterback than I would ever know. I, like, I understand that. I'll admit that. I, I have no problem saying that. But at the same time, it seems like such common sense to just give one guy the ball for the game and see how it plays. See what you've got. I mean, there is no juice. There is no confidence on that side of the ball. For the Pokes right now, and then South Alabama's running wild all over them. I, I could not believe it as I'm watching this game unfold. Holy cow. So that was by far the worst loss of the weekend for the Big 12, uh, but there was plenty of competition for that as well. Next up, uh, Cincinnati losing to Miami of Ohio in overtime a week before they're set to host Oklahoma which Big Noon Kickoff announced it was coming to, you know, before the Cincinnati game took place, which they might regret right now. I hope they don't. I'm glad they're going there, but gosh, dang. Talk about overlooking an opponent getting ready for next week. That's what appears to have happened to Cincinnati in this game. And by the way, we talk about it all the time. Special teams, blocked field goal and regulation that did not allow Cincinnati to get the win. As a result, the game goes to overtime where they end up losing. 
I mean, that's just a, it's just a, such a head scratcher of a game that makes you want to slam your head against the wall if you're a Cincinnati fan. I mean, you're Miami of Ohio game away from going 3-0 and into the Big 12 next week where you're hosting OU. I mean, geez, and, and, and I had really liked a lot of what I had seen from Cincinnati from the first two weeks. Now, I, I don't want to sit here and overreact um, to a crazy week in the Big 12. I still think this league is incredibly deep. Um, there's an enormous amount of parity. But gosh, dang, there were some bad losses over the weekend. And Miami of Ohio beating Cincinnati was right up there. I just, <laughs> you shake your head. And you're saying, what is going on in this game? Holy smokes. And then overtime comes. And at that point, when the game goes to overtime, momentum's with Miami. And you feel like they're going to win that game. And that's what ended up happening. So that was a bad loss. Uh, Where else do we go here? Iowa State. Let me say this about Iowa State when it comes to the Cyclones. Matt Campbell's job should not be anywhere close to being in jeopardy. They lost to Ohio. It was ugly. I mean, it was it was bad. But if you think Matt Campbell should be in a hot seat, you're nuts. Matt Campbell is the best coach in Iowa State football history. Dude turned down millions of dollars from other programs and looks from the NFL to stay in Ames, Iowa. Can we, like, not forget that for a second, please? I know they lost to Ohio. It's a bad loss. The offense has stunk now for the better part of two seasons. But to think that Matt Campbell should be on any kind of a hot seat and you got that punk fan after the game who went viral kind of chirping at him and telling him that he should be on the hot seat and then Campbell in something Matt Campbell's never done. He's Mr. Calm, Cool, Collected. Matt Campbell kind of turns around and has to be held back by coaches and players Uh, that tells you all you need to know. And I know that's not the majority of Iowa State fans. I get it. It's probably 2%. And every fan base has that ridiculous 2%. But Matt Campbell deserves to be this head coach in Ames for years to come, no matter what happens the rest of this season. He has earned the right to turn this thing around. And there's nobody I would trust more in Ames to try to turn this thing around than Matt Campbell. Now, for the game itself... Iowa State had uh, five guys, six guys get food poisoning on Friday, including Rocco Beck, the quarterback. He was the only one that played of those guys that got food poisoning. But this game was not about food poisoning. I mean, this game made you want to puke, but it was not about food poisoning. This game is once again about special teams. And here's where I think Iowa State has to figure something out. Iowa State's going to be a team that wants to win 20-17, 17-13. They want to win those games, and that's, that's fine. If you're going to win games that way, if that's going to be your M.O., you've got to have somebody who can kick field goals. You have to have excellent special teams. You cannot have a team that is built to win games by a field goal and not have somebody who can make field goals. Do you see what I'm saying here? Now, I know Iowa State missed two field goals, one early, second half one, of course, looked like it was good, and that would have completely changed the outcome of the game. It looked like it was good to me. I, I can't believe it was called no good. Um, we can blast the refs all we want, but if we want to look big picture, special teams has got to be a super focus of 
what Iowa State does going forward. You can't build a team to win field goal games either way and then not have somebody who can kick field goals. I, like, I just don't know what else to say on that front. So it's a bad loss, um, but gosh, any conversations around Matt Campbell is crazy talk. And then Missouri and Kansas State. It's not a terrible loss for K-State, but they were favored going to Columbia. By the way, I will tell you, for those of you that tune into the show religiously, I gave you, as I've done the first two weeks, I give you a bad bet, a lock, and an underdog. I was three for three this week. My bad bet was Kansas State minus five. I told you to avoid it. Not that I didn't think Kansas State would win or could win. I wanted them to win, obviously. But I didn't like Kansas State in that spot covering the five points. So I said K-State minus five was my bad bet. I was right about that. I was right about um, my underdog pick. I had Wyoming plus 28 and a half against Texas. I hit that. And my lock was West Virginia minus one and a half. So I'm just saying, um, I hope that you will subscribe to this channel. Hit that thumbs up button on this video on YouTube that helps us with the algorithm tremendously, more than you realize. And on the podcast, uh, we're at 676 ratings. I want to get to 700 by Halloween. I think I might get there by the end of September because you guys are crushing it on the podcast. Could you hit the five star for me on the podcast? And if you leave a review as well, send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'll get you hooked up with one of these Heartland College Sports koozies as well. I send them out every week in the mail for free. So thank you for doing that. Um, But I hit all three of those when I gave you my bad bet lock and underdog of the week. So I just want to note that. All right. That being said, Kansas State I mean, you lose on a 61-yard field goal, an SEC record. It was crazy after the delay of game that Missouri still went for the 61-yard field goal, but they did, and they hit it. And by the way, that would have been good from 66, I think. That's how incredible that field goal was to end the game. Kansas State's going to be okay. I mean, it seems like Chris Kleiman just can't go 3-0 in the non-conference, but it's fine. They have a game every non-con they shouldn't probably lose, and losing to Missouri is not the worst loss. Missouri is a much improved team. What I have concerns about is the secondary. There were a lot of blown coverages for Kansas State in that game. And then you got Will Howard limping around as well. That's going to play a role in that one too. So I'm, I'm okay with where Kansas State is at. I think Kansas State's going to be fine. I, I do. I still think they can compete for a Big 12 title. But it stings when you lose to Missouri, your old Big 12 North. Not that they're, you know, deep rivals. It's not KU Missouri. But still, anytime a team from Kansas loses to a team from Missouri and your formerly conference foes, uh, that stinks. And then you lose on a 61-yard field goal as time expires. That really stinks. And that's what you saw in that game on Saturday as K-State came up short 30-27 to in that one. Now, the saving grace of the weekend was... Well, I'll give it to one and a half teams, but I'll explain here where I'm going with this. BYU had by far the best win for the Big 12 this weekend. BYU beating Arkansas 38-31 in SEC country, hostile SEC territory, is impressive for the Cougars. Keaton Slovis, I mean, he he looked pretty good. I'm not going to say he was great in this game, but he looked pretty good. 
Um, there were some special teams errors, by the way, early on that allowed Arkansas to jump out to a solid lead. You know, they get out to a 14-0 lead after a punt return for a touchdown, and you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, oh my gosh, this, this day continues to get worse for the Big 12. But BYU, on the road, battles back, plays a very good game, um, held Arkansas's offense in check in a big way in that second half, and pulls off a 38-31 win. That is the best win of the week for the Big 12. Without that win, I mean, this would just be like a dumpster fire of a weekend for the conference. So thank you, BYU. Thank you to the Cougars. Thank you for getting it done. Thank you to the BYU defense for holding Arkansas to 2 of 13 on third downs. I mean, BYU was outgained in this game 424 to 281, and they won. Think about that. Why? They played a cleaner game. They won the turnover battle. Arkansas had twice as many penalties as BYU. They were better on third downs. So it's amazing. You do the little things in, in, in football, you put yourself in a position to win. Not that BYU played a perfect game. I just mentioned the early punt return for a touchdown. But they came back on the road in SEC country, and they got a win that this conference desperately needed on Saturday. And that was the game, the win of the weekend for this league. So thank you to BYU. Now, West Virginia also got a very good win against Pittsburgh. But that win is more important for Neil Brown than it is for the Big 12. Because frankly, I think Pitt stinks. I, 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 you know, we saw him last week against Cincinnati. We saw him on Saturday against West Virginia. I don't think Pitt's really any good. So you take a Power 5 win, obviously... But that win is much bigger for the team and for Neil Brown than it is for the Big 12 at large. Neil Brown, and this is why I had the Mountaineers as my lock, Neil Brown could not afford to lose that game. If Neil Brown had lost the backyard brawl to a subpar Pittsburgh team at home in front of that fan base with already a hot seat, he may have not made it to the press conference. And he knew that deep down, I believe. And he showed up, and his team showed up, and they got a very convincing and impressive win on the backs of C.J. Donaldson and a defense as well that was absolutely fantastic. The defense for the Mountaineers is a defense that you should get to know if you have not been watching this team. What they did, holding Pitt to 210 yards, three interceptions, four more pass breakups, five tackles for loss, couple of quarterback hits, they were all over that Pittsburgh offense. Now, that Pittsburgh offense is not going to be confused with the Kansas City Chiefs, but still, that WVU defense was darn impressive and is worthy of, um, I don't want to say being feared by other Big 12 teams, but certainly they're going to have to take notice. And then you put on the show that C.J. Donaldson put on after Garrett Green gets injured and, you know, you've got yourself what is going to be a tough, nitty-gritty team in Morgantown. And I don't know what it means for Neil Brown for the rest of the season, but I do know this. I see a lot of these 17-13, 21-17 kind of a games for West Virginia this season. But boy, did Neil Brown need that thing, and he needed desperately. Desperately. And he got the win. So... Kudos to him for that, and, and good job overall uh, by West Virginia getting that much-needed victory and going to 2-1 and one now in non-conference play. 
The only losses to Penn State, and by the way, the box score of that Penn State game looks worse than the actual game was for the Mountaineers. Now, uh, games I haven't touched on yet over the weekend. Um, Timmy time in Central Florida. I, I know it's an FCS opponent, but I told you about Timmy McLean. I told you that this guy... Uh, will be able to fill in admirably at quarterback for UCF, a USF transfer, a Central Florida high school legend, and he lit up Villanova in a 48-14 win. The defense looked great, threw for 321 yards, showed off his wheels. There's not a lot to say about the game, but I'm just saying do not overlook UCF because you think the starting quarterback's out, and now they're going on the road to open up Big 12 play at Kansas State. That's going to be a good game. And Timmy McLean is going to be a name that by the end of the season, Big 12 fans are going to know about. Texas finally woke up in the second half, really in the fourth quarter, right? Now, I didn't watch the game because I don't have Longhorn Network. I mean, over my dead body would I pay for Longhorn Network. So I'm certainly not doing it the last season in the conference. Um, I, you know, good riddance to that garbage channel that made Texas a lot of money, lost ESPN a lot of money, and didn't do much else for anybody. Uh, but Texas was in a <laughs> was in a dogfight. It was 10-10, well into the second half, right? And then they pull away with those three touchdowns uh, in the fourth quarter to win 31-10. to But I told you that my lock of the week, or my underdog of the week, was Wyoming plus 28.5. I thought that Texas would be coming down off of that crazy game against Alabama, and that, you know, you'd see a bit of a hangover. And that's exactly what ended up happening in that game. OU rolls Tulsa. Um, I, I saw some folks, some OU, you know, I know OU media's mad at me because, you know, I ripped them up and down for their hypocrisy around Art Bryles in week two. So I'm going to give it to them again. Um, I'm seeing people talk about Dylan Gabriel for Heisman. Can you beat, like, can you beat a fa- Power 5 team first? Like, that, that. Just can you win a Power Five game? Who have you? Who's OU? OU had one of the softest non-cons in the league: Arkansas State, SMU, and Tulsa. Can you be a Power Five team before we start start, start talking about Dylan Gabriel and the freaking Heisman Trophy? And the other thing I'm seeing from you know a lot of OU media, and they're trying to pretend to be reporters when they do this, and it's fine if they want to be commentators. But I love the guys who are really just reporters. Um, oh, wow, the Big 12 stinks this year. Big 12, oh, boy, good thing we're, oh, Big 12's awful. Good thing we're getting out of here. Okay, well, when you lose at Arkansas next year, um, just remember BYU won at Arkansas, and college football's got a lot of parity, and that's something we should probably be talking about right now. This sport is completely unpredictable. That's the theme of college football right now. Look at what happened yesterday. Georgia was on the ropes early against South Carolina. Alabama struggling with USF. Um, Florida State almost losing to Boston College. Texas, Wyoming. The parity in the sport is incredible right now because of the transfer portal. Guys that we've never heard of who are moving around team to team are finally getting playing time and are getting to showcase their skill sets instead of having all these five-star guys as third-string offensive linemen at Alabama never seeing the field, they're going to play somewhere else. They might go to USF and play Alabama. 
for anyone involved with OU, whether it's a reporter um, or a fan, to be like, oh, gosh, boy, the Big 12 stinks. Like, I am the first one to tell you the Big 12 had an awful, awful Saturday in Week 3. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But did you look around the sport on Saturday? I know there wasn't a ton of top-tier upsets per se, but, man, this, this is going to be as unpredictable a season potentially in college football as we've ever had. I mean, Florida, Tennessee, I mean, you, you go on and on and on, and it's just like it was, it was a wild week, even if it wasn't the upsets maybe that some people might have expected. It was very unpredictable, and that's going to continue. So for the OU faithful to be sitting there at 3-0, and and yes, looking very good doing it. OU looks great, but it's Arkansas State, it's SMU, it's Tulsa. Can we pump the brakes here? Just for a second. Come on, guys. I love you. I, you know, I, like I said, I started my media career in, in Oklahoma working for a radio station whose owner was as diehard an OU guy as there is. But let's just calm down for a second here. Look at what's going on around the sport. Baylor has a two-hour lightning delay at halftime and has a ho-hum win over LIU. I, I don't know what Baylor is right now, but it's... It's been very difficult to watch. They're in the win column. Same with Texas Tech beating Tarleton State 41-3. Kansas hangs on late night against Nevada by a touchdown. Thank goodness there. Jalen Daniels came out of the game with the arm injury. He's okay. And then the Big 12 game of the week, TCU-Houston. There's two ways to look at this game. The first way is TCU's defense showed out and looked really good. Uh... They got to Donovan Smith six times, held him to 50% completion percentage. They held Houston to one and a half yards per carry. But Houston on the other side really um, struggled. A lot of miscues in the first half, dropped passes from Donovan Smith. And it was just, it was tough to watch. Dana Holgerson called his own offense embarrassing. And he's right. It was embarrassing for Houston. And I think Houston's got a problem on its hands here. No pun intended. I don't think the defense is all that stout. And, you know, we saw Donovan Smith play offense at Texas Tech, and now he's at Houston with a supporting cast that's not as good against the same competition. That's not a good combination. So I'm watching this, and I'm saying to myself, geez, Houston, I mean, there's a lot of teams that you can make the case for being the worst in the Big 12, but Houston's right up there after losing the Rice and then losing the way they did to TCU. And here's, here's an interesting tidbit. I was looking this up last night after the game. If you take away the 21 points that Houston scored in the fourth quarter against Rice last week, the Cougars have scored a total of 37 points in their other 11 quarters this season. That's a serious concern. And remember, Dana Holgerson is supposed to be the offensive mastermind here. 37 points in 11 quarters of football is unacceptable. And I think we knew that Houston was going to take some time to build up to being Big 12 ready. But uh, it's got to happen at some point. they got to start showing progress. If not, this season is going to unravel very quickly for the Cougars. Now, for TCU, you look at the box score and you say, okay, I mean, 564 yards of offense, you like it. Uh, Imani Bailey looks like the stud in the backfield, another 100-yard rushing game for him. But there were some miscues as well. Um, you know, first quarter, Chandler Morris has a touchdown pass, bounce off of Jared Wiley's hands. 
That takes points off the board. TCU could have taken a dominant two-score lead early. It does not happen. So TCU it still has a lot of new faces. And TCU, as I've been saying as a team, that is going to get better as the season progresses. But you get your first Big 12 win. You beat Houston 36-13. And you have to feel good about that. And what was the first Big 12 conference game of the year, technically? I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. It is Great to be here with you as we uh, put a bow in another week. Can you believe it? Non-conference play is, for the most part, over. Whew, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining the show. Hit that thumbs up on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel as well. It helps us continue to grow this show each and every week. And um, on top of that, the podcast. You know what to do. Hit that five-star rating and review We want to get to 700 by Halloween. We're at 676. I mean, that's 24 of you. I think we'll do it here this week. What do you say? Hit the five-star button. It helps us a lot with iTunes and Spotify. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We will talk to you guys soon. Share the show with your friends as we get into the meat of Big 12 football season. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Enjoy the NFL, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.